John chapter 11 this morning, we've been on this uh, part of our series through the gospel of John on good father and that he is the resurrection and the life. Also, how many of you, before I dive in this, were with us on Friday night at Newtown Creamery? That was an amazing time. What a powerful time. We had so many people out, our worship team. That's, it, was, it was a great night connecting with one another and being able to see each other and uh, some great music as well. So great job, Pastor Ryan and team that did an amazing job there. Well, I don't know. Have you ever thought about the things you've done while you've been sleeping? Or somebody told you what you did while you slept? Yeah, I'm sure we all have. I had crazy stories growing up. I used to walk in my sleep. How many of you ever, you know, I don't do that anymore, but um, how many of you ever walked in your sleep? You know, you've done that. Yeah. How many of you still do it? Don't raise your hands. But, but um, I, you know, when I was in junior high, I know it was a hot summer day, I decided to take a nap on my bed. And I was sleeping there for however long, and my sister came, and she shook me. And it startled me, and I woke up, and I freaked her out as well. And she said, oh, good. She said, I thought you were dead. I said, why? She says, well, when you were sleeping, you had your arm crossed like a dead person. I said, I'm alive, okay? You didn't kill me yet, sis. I'm still here. I'm still on this earth. I'm sure we have crazy stories. I want to talk to you about one today where Jesus resurrected a man in John chapter 11. In this story, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. This is one of the three times on record that Jesus raises somebody from the dead. He raised Jairus' daughter from the dead before this. He stopped the funeral session in Luke chapter 7, raised a widow's son from the dead, But this is a very unique story today. This is longer than any other story on resurrection in the Gospels. And this is a story of somebody that he raised back to life that he was very close to. Mary and Martha and Lazarus and Jesus are the main players in this passage today. It took place in a town called Bethany, which was east of Jerusalem, In John chapter 11, verse 25, is really the focus verse of this entire chapter, where it says, Jesus said this, I am the resurrection and the life. Can you say that with me? I am the resurrection in the life. The Message Bible, I love how it says this, I am right now resurrection in life. Amen? Will you receive that today, that Jesus says that over every single one of us, that he is right now resurrection in life to you? These words were spoken by Jesus as he was surrounded by the grieving family of his friend Lazarus, who just passed away suddenly and unexpectedly. Their story on that day, as we look at scripture, was that Jesus had let them down. He was a friend of the family. In verse 3, it tells us that Jesus loved this family, but they needed him, and he wasn't even there to help them at this moment. They said to Jesus, in fact, as he arrived at the scene that day, they said to him, Jesus, you're late, and a matter of fact, you're too late, and if you had been here, our brother would not even have died. But We understand that Jesus, he's away from the town of where Lazarus is, that even after he heard the news, the Bible says, he stayed another two days in another town. They had this disappointment. 
I don't know about you, I don't know where you are today or what you've experienced, but I think it's safe to say at one time or another that we've all been disappointed on what God didn't do for our lives. And the prayer that wasn't even answered and the thing that we had hoped for in our lives didn't come about. You know, it's very easy, isn't it, to second guess God's plan for our lives, isn't it? It it really is. Like if he cares, why don't he do something? Why at this moment will he not show up? And John writes this so that we can come to terms with what's taking place, with the issues that is going on in our heart, so that we come to understand God's personal concern and the love that he has for us, so we can relate to how they felt. They were doing what so many people were doing, and that is they were turning what was meant to be a season in their life into the story of their life. In other words, they weren't seen beyond where they were right then. And what they didn't realize was Jesus arrived on the scene and actually to begin a new chapter in their life, he was going to change the story of their life. Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus, and Jesus said in verse 4, this is not going to lead to death, but this is going to be for the glory of my Father God. But Lazarus, at this point, he's not getting better. He's actually getting worse. And what I want to say to you today is any time that we get stuck in a chapter, what we actually do is turn what was meant to be a chapter into the entire story of our life. Like, Jesus, if you care, would you just heal me? Why don't you do this? Like, Jesus, if you really love me, why don't you put back my marriage? Jesus, if you really do care and you really do love me and you're really concerned, would you heal my child? Well, that's what happened that day in Bethany. The family of Lazarus was talking about what could have happened, what should have happened, what ought to have happened, and Jesus shows up and he's like, if you will all work with me, this is going to be an amazing Bible story that you can't see right now, but it's going to be written in Scripture forever. How many of you know that Jesus is all about getting people involved? How many of you know that? Did you ever realize that in your own life, that Jesus really wants to get us involved? You know, we all want to see a miracle happen. I do. You do. But not many people want to be a part of the miracle working process, right? In verses 7 through 14, Jesus is telling the disciples, we have an opportunity to do something. And he says, I don't want you to miss it. You know what? There's a great opportunity that's going to come. But if you wait too long, the opportunity is going to be gone, We should make the most of every opportunity. Like today, if you would think about it, the opportunity to pray with people, the opportunity to share the love of God and the love of Christ with somebody along your pathway, to live for God in such a dynamic way that honors him, because he's telling them in this passage, you should work while it is day. Jesus is the light of the world. He is there. He is standing with them. He is there, and he's telling them this. He wants them to understand that while it's daylight, he says, I want you to work because you need to know that the opportunity has been given to us. I don't know about you, but we are living in such days of opportunity, church. God is giving us great opportunity right now. It is not all doom, and it is not all gloom because Jesus is shining bright. Jesus said in verse 11 that Lazarus is sleeping. That's the word he uses. Sleep in the New Testament is a euphemism for death. 
Now, I want to have you understand something here. Jehovah's Witnesses and Seventh-day Adventists teach different forms of a similar concept, which is called soul sleep. Either the soul is annihilated in the case of the Jehovah's Witness, and the soul, they believe, lives on in the memory of God until the last resurrection and the final day of judgment when that person, they believe, is actually recreated. The Seventh-day Adventists teach a soul sleep that a person remains in an unaware status and then is awakened. I want you to know that the Bible teaches neither of those concepts because they are wrong. That is not truthful. That you and I are created, biblically we understand, in the image of God. And the Bible teaches us that when a person dies, there is eternity for every single person. Everybody's going to live forever. The issue is, where are you going to live? Are you with me? Say yes. When we pass from this life, our spirit, our soul is very much alive. If a person knows the Lord when they die, then their spirit goes to heaven. If they don't know the Lord, their spirit goes to Hades, to the place of the damned, awaiting the final judgment. This is the Bible I'm speaking today. This isn't John Miller's theology. This is the word of the Lord. And then they are sentenced to an eternal hell. But we know in the case of Lazarus that he knows Jesus, but at this point in Scripture, Jesus is saying Lazarus has died. The Bible says this was done to bring faith in Jesus. Jesus involved them in the process, and thankfully, they participated. You know what? I believe that God is calling people right here and right now in this service to get into church to be planted in the house of God, to be a part of our wonderful small groups. And by the way, our small groups are thriving and moving and they're meeting together and there is community and there is relationship. We're so thankful to our small group leaders. Also, our growth track is a wonderful opportunity to be a part of that takes place every month here Sunday in, Sunday out, to be connected to that, to help you live a successful Christian life, to get to know God, to be a lifelong disciple and follower of Jesus, and to get to know other people. That, you know, sometimes the hardest thing to do is to take the next step, isn't it? The next step, the next step of God's plan for your life. But when you take it, what you're doing is you're moving to the next chapter, of your life, but it's going to take you and I to be a part of the miracle working process of what God wants to do. You know, it's in that day we see they were obedient to participate in the chapter of Lazarus' death, of which is going to change to life. He was dead for four days. <clears throat> now, if you understand, in that day, anytime someone died, they would bring out two flute players and a wailing woman for seven days. Think about that. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? Two flute players and a wailing woman. Oh, Lord, we miss Grandma, and we miss Grandpa, and she's, you know, he's dead, and she's dead. But we see in this Mar Martha on hearing that Jesus was coming to meet him, we see that she got up, but Mary stayed seat seated at the house. How many of you know everyone deals with grief differently? Isn't that true? Somebody will need to get busy. You know, that's just how they relate to it. And it doesn't mean they're not processing it. 
But then there's the other type person who will just sit there and they need to contemplate and they need it just quiet and they need solace in that moment. We all deal with grief differently. But on that day, we see that Jesus comes and he raises Lazarus back to life. Here's what I want you to know. Resurrection is not so much an event as it is a person. Amen? Jesus is resurrected, so you and I are resurrected. Can I hear an amen this morning? Verse 26, and whoever lives and believes in me, he says, shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. What's amazing as we look at this, the I am of Jesus changed the I am of the people that day. Amen? The I am. He is the I am. He is what? He's the I am. That so to you today, the person that says, you know, you know, I am disappointed became I am thankful. Amen. I am discouraged became I am encouraged. I am the resurrection of life. That's what Jesus, I am the resurrection of life. He's saying, I am resurrected, you are resurrected. I, I'm wondering what might God be trying to resurrect in you today? What is it that God's saying in you that you think is dead, but he wants to be fully alive. And many times when we hear how good God is and we think, wow, it just doesn't seem fair. I've done so many crazy things. I don't even deserve this. Like, why would God do this? I want you to come back. And I want you to come back with that thought in your mind to know this, to overcome the undeserved sin. He had to create a plan to create undeserved righteousness in that moment. I don't know about you, but I am thankful for the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ today. Amen? that we understand that Jesus is not detached from us. But we see verses 28 through 37, God knows the end from the beginning, and he empathizes with their grief. Jesus saw Mary weeping, it says, and he groaned in his spirit, and he was troubled, and he wept, and the Jews said, see how he loved him. God enters into the emotion, to the moment, to the distress, to the wreckage that is caused by sin and death, that we know that we do not serve a detached deity this morning. When he sees people hurting, he hurts. Matter of fact, Psalm 34 says that he is close to the brokenhearted. And that God also at the same time is angered and indignant towards sin and what it's done to humanity. That, that God feels the emotion of human situations, that he, he says through it that this isn't right. We live life, we take our vitamins, we work out, we buckle up, and we die. It wasn't intended to be that way, and the Bible says he wept. That scripture means he silently burst into tears. This God is so touched with our sorrow and the sorrow of that moment for Lazarus that he burst into silent tears at his tomb. Let me tell you something today. If you weep today, he weeps with you. He wept. He's, he's personal enough. He's concerned enough to enter into the sorrow and into the brokenness of your condition 
And we see that the Jews still were mocking him. But verse 39, it says, take away the stone, Jesus said. And Martha's like, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? I just wonder if there's belief in this room this morning. I wonder if there's people that are believing that you will see the glory of God. So they took away the stone, and Jesus He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you hear me, he said, and you always do, but I said this on account that people are standing around that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, it's then he cried out with a loud voice. See, Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus is who he says he is. He and the Father are one. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And he had to say the name Lazarus specifically, or all those that were dead in the ground would have came out at the same time. So he specifically said, Lazarus, come out. The man who died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. Jesus spoke with authority. Death, loose yourself from Lazarus and let him go in the name of Jesus. Amen? How many of you are awake now? I saw you nodding off a minute ago. 45. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary had seen what he did and believed in him. Wasn't it amazing? They just watched what took place, and it says, many, not all. A man is raised from the dead, and you won't believe. It's unimaginable. They watched it. Here are four quick statements. Number one, when you cannot understand God, you can still trust him. You know, we can't understand the why and the where many times, but you can still trust him today. Number two, even though God knows the outcome, he is not indifferent to our pain. If you feel alone in your pain this morning, let me tell you that the record of John chapter 11 is he weeps with you and he weeps for you. This last week, I met with a husband and wife that came in and were so distraught about their son that's made some very bad choices, and they wept, and I prayed with them that Jesus, in those moments, enters in, and he weeps with us. This morning, while I was in prayer in my office, I got a phone call from somebody in this community that was weeping on the phone for some of the things that were going on to them. And I prayed with him and let him know that Jesus weeps with you. Number three, even when it seems like all hope is gone, God can work a miracle. You say today my marriage is dead, God can work a miracle. I declare that to you in the name of Jesus. The relationship with my child is shattered. God can still work a miracle. You don't understand, John. The cancer has gotten worse. God can work a miracle today no matter what you are going through. Amen? That I believe that a miracle of resurrection is coming your way today. Number four, eternal life is found only in him. 
God. He said, I am the resurrection and life. There's only one person that can raise us up. There's only one that can resurrect us. There's only life in him. There's only resurrection in him. There's only eternal life in him. Some of you say today, well, listen, if I were to be very honest that today you would say the I am of your life is, I am a wreck today, John. I am a sinner. I'm a failure. You know what's crazy is so many times we all self-identify, and I'm not sure what other people might be saying about you or the labels that people are put on you. And let me tell you, there's a lot of labels people are putting on one another today. And it's sad. The problem is we take those things in and we begin to live them. We begin to self-identify with them. We begin to believe them. We hear what other people observe about us. And then we base our identity many times on that. And you say, well, I could be, I'm so many things. But maybe today you've taken what others have said about you and you identify and you get your identity based not only what you know about you, but what also other people have said about you. And maybe you've internalized it today and you are believing what they say about you. Maybe you self-identify with labels that have been put on you or that you put on yourself. But I'm, gonna hear, I'm here to tell you today, don't believe the lies of the enemy and don't believe the fake news about you and don't let it get into your mind and don't let it get into your heart so that you do something that God's called you not to do, so that you can do what he's called you to do. So maybe today, many of you have an identity that's based on wrong stuff. It's based on maybe an event that took place years back, decades back, a big mistake that took place. It was one day, it was one season. And, and here's what I wanna say to you today, is you cannot allow their opinion to have the final word in your heart about who you are, amen? Because what will happen is it will pull you down. If you allow it, it will pull you back and it will keep you from experiencing all that God has for you. See, if you, if you don't know how Jesus' story applies to you, then you're stuck with that and what you know about yourself. You're stuck with you. But you know, there's so many big name people throughout the Bible that if they would have just stayed there, it would have kept them back from God's very best in their life, like Abraham. Oh yeah, we know Abraham lied under pressure. Sarah laughed at the promises of God. Moses is like, I can't even talk. He questioned God's judgment and picking him and later on he killed a man. David had an affair as a part of a cover-up. Little David with a slingshot kills Goliath. Then had her, her husband killed. John was prideful and self-righteous. Peter was a cursing hothead. The apostle Paul was a gang leader. Her persecuted and murdered Christians. Jeremiah was so depressed and suicidal. Anybody feeling better about themselves this morning? I hope so. What I'm saying is you can't let who you were on your weakest day have the last word about you. Can I hear an amen to that this morning? Some people are stuck there. You can't let the failure, you can't let the shortcoming of what people say about you have the final word about who you are. That you allow the great I am to become your I am today. 
that we are reminded of Scripture, of 2 Corinthians 5, if anyone, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, that is any person, no matter what they've done, right? The old is gone and the new has come in Christ. Come on, that's some timeless truth in a truthless time that we live in. That the cross really changes me and changes you and changes every person on this earth. See, every person needs a point of reference for their life. They need a point of reference. That's why so many people are lost out there. They wander, they're wayward, because they don't have a point of reference. The cross is the point of reference for every person that's ever lived. Because through it, it's like I get the new I am. I get him as the I am. The cross says, you know what? I am loved by God. That, yeah, I may feel very weak, but the cross says I am very strong in him. You may say, well, who's going to love me and rescue me and satisfy me and direct me and strengthen me? And God says, I am. I am. I'm going to be that for you today. I'm going to be that for you in your weakness. I will be your resurrection in your life, for those who believe in me, he says, they will live in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that is so powerful and anointed already. That, Lord, thank you. Today we are reminded, Lord, that you are the resurrection and the life. And that for any person that is here that does not know you, that is lost, that does not have a point of reference, they can have a point of reference today through Jesus Christ, through the cross. That today they can get a new beginning. Today they can get a new start. Today they can start fresh and new inside of your name. That whoever will believe. And if anyone is in Christ, hallelujah, Hallelujah, they're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Today, as you hear those words, today, would you respond to that? If you've never responded to Jesus as the way and the truth and the life and you want to know him today, will you in this moment, take this moment, and would you just raise your hand and say, I come and I accept Christ today, that I'm going to have a new point of reference, that I'm going I'm to find Christ today and he's going to give me a new beginning. Any person here? says, yes, I'm going to raise my hand and I'm going to accept him as the way and the truth and the life. Anyone? Father, I just thank you today. I thank you, Lord. I didn't see any hands, but Lord, you know heart. You know hearts. You're here. Thank you for doing the work. God, I praise you and I thank you today that you are the resurrected king. And that, God, we would ask ourselves then as believers in this room, what are you trying to resurrect in me today? The thing that is dead that needs to come to life. Lord, that you would start and begin something new in me. And that, Lord, we're reminded the cross is a point of reference. Lord, as we make you the great I am, that we realize today that we're no longer a slave, but we're a child of the king. Thank you, Lord, for that today. You as the resurrected king has come, changed us. And we have been allowed to start over again. Thank you for your promise. Thank you for your grace. And thank you for your goodness today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.
and amen. Hallelujah.